You're listening to Unbreakable, a sermon series on family, what God intends it to be and how your family can honor God. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Sometimes our family embarrasses us. Sometimes we do things that would probably embarrass our family. Uh, It really does. It it, it happens. But the truth is, when family operates the way that God intended for it to operate, it's really one of the most life-giving and supportive systems that a person can ever experience. And so we really should want to do everything that we can to bring out the best in our family. Family, And that's what this entire series really is about. And today I want to talk to you about a guy by the name of Abraham. Abraham, and let me go ahead and just tell you that uh, when you're reading the Bible, sometimes it'll say Abram. uh, But when it says Abram, God later changes his name to Abraham. So if I just say Abraham, I'm talking about uh, the same guy. I want you to know that. But Abraham really is a, a very important uh, person. He's a, he's a big deal for you and I. Theologically, he's a big deal for you and I. Practically, uh, Abraham receives a promise that still affects you and I today. But Abraham also has a lot to teach us about life. Abraham also has a lot to teach us about marriage. Abraham also has a lot to teach us about conflict. And so it doesn't matter who you are today, young or old, married, single, it really doesn't matter. I really do hope that uh, God speaks to you in some way through the message today. And so we're going to jump right in, talk about the first thing. If you're taking notes, you want to write the first one down. First thing I want you to see that Abraham teaches us about is life. Abraham teaches us a lot about life, specifically what what Abraham teaches us about life is that we've been invited to join God's adventure. We should, we should join his adventure. I want you to see this. Abraham hears a command from God. Check it out. In Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1, and here's what the Bible says. It says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go. Everybody say go. Do it a little louder. Everybody say go. That word right there is so important. Go is such a big deal. And I thought about this this past week, and it's probably going to blow y'all's mind. It's going to just be like, this is so deep. Are y'all ready? But go is two-thirds of who God is. Man, I worked hard on that, y'all. That was supposed to help me out. G-O. Anyway, so go really is important to God. But honestly, when you come to God, when you meet God, that's when your life gets going, okay? So it says here that uh, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So, so God told Abraham, he said, look, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave the familiar. I want you to leave your friends, and I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. See, this is what was happening here. How many of y'all know what these are? Hula hoops, if you don't know, this is a hula hoop, absolutely. So uh, this is a hula hoop, and I want you to see what happens. So you, don't, you might not know this about me, but I'm pretty much a hula hoop champion. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm so much better at hula hooping than Sadie Kate. Uh, she's my six-year-old, and I'm way better at hula hooping than Lawson, who is my six-week-old. Uh, I really can. I can, do a, I can do a great job. And so I'm about to show you all how to hula hoop. You know, you got you to gotta kind of move your hips, you know what I'm saying, to keep the hula hoop going, right? You know what I'm talking about? Can anybody else hula hoop? Have y'all seen one of these before? But you've never seen a preacher do it on the stage. Uh, But anyway, so I'm not going to do that, actually. For the sake of time, I'm not going to hula hoop. Everybody say, aw. All right, but here's what I want you to see, okay? Here's what we think life is. 
This is our life. It's in this little circle right here. This is where our comfort is. This is where our friends are. This is where our family is. These are the things that we like to do and we don't mind doing. This is where we like to live just in comfort. So this is our, oh, stuck on my microphone. So here's where we are, okay, right there. But God's will, the God zone, is way over there. And God asked us to step out of this into that. He asked us to step out of the familiar into this way over here. And so what oftentimes you and I do is we look over there, and then we look over here. We look at what God wants us to do, and we look at where we're comfortable. We look over there again, and we're like, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm just going to stay right here. I don't want to do anything that's going to cause me discomfort. I don't want to do something that's going to be difficult for me. I'm going to stay right here in my comfort zone because I'm not really sure how everything's going to work out over there. So we stay right here. That's what was happening for Abraham. God says, hey, you know what? I want you to go to a land that I am telling you to go. He was calling him to leave the familiar. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I like details. How many of y'all like details? I do. Uh, how many of y'all have ever had somebody ask you to do them a favor? How many of y'all ever asked you to do a favor? And then how many of y'all have automatically said, hey, you know, yeah, if they ask you to do a favor, you say, I'll do it for you. Anybody ever just automatically say yes? Not me. I ain't about to do that. I ain't crazy, okay? I got to know the details because you might ask me to do a favor and that favor might be, hey, will you pay for my kid's college? That ain't happening. I got three kids of my own. I got three dogs. I got two hamsters. The struggle is real. You know what I'm saying? So I can't, I can't do that. I need to hear the details before I just say, yes, I'm going to do this favor for you. Well, what you need to understand is that when Abraham, when God tells Abraham to go, he's not asking Abraham to do him a favor. He's not suggesting something to him. God is actually commanding Abraham to leave the familiar again and go over here to a land that I will show you. So Abraham, he hears this command. Not only that, but Abraham believes some promises. He believes some promises that God gives him. I want, you to, I want you to see this. Abraham, God tells Abraham, look, if you do what I'm telling you to do, I promise that I'm going to bless your family. Look at verse 2 of chapter 12, Genesis chapter 12. It says this. God says, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. Now, let me stop for just a second, because right there, God says, I will make your name great. Who will make Abraham's name great? God. God will not Abraham. The problem with so many people today is that we spend our entire lives trying to make a name for ourselves. We spend our entire life trying to make our name great. You know what I mean? We're in debt up to our eyeballs. We buy stuff with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even like. You know what I'm saying? We post pictures on Facebook and Instagram hoping people will see how great we are and how great our friends are and wish that they were part of us. But this right here, God says, I will make your name great. Don't try to promote yourself. It is God who does the promoting. Abraham wasn't trying to do anything for himself. Abraham wasn't asking God for anything, and God gave him everything because of it. God said, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Now, why? Why in the world would God bless Abraham. Why? Why would, why would he do that? Abraham was going to be a blessing. Why? So that, so that he, he was going to be blessed so that he could be a blessing to, to others. You know what I'm saying? He was blessed to bless others. Uh, you know, see, you and I, 
are naturally selfish. It's true. How many of y'all just admit that you're selfish? You know, you really don't, you probably don't want to admit that, but we are, you know, and I can prove it to you. Uh, see, we're, we're selfish because we don't even like sharing our bubble gum, right? We don't. Like when you get a new pack of bubble gum, you don't want to open it up in front of other people. Why? Because they're going to say, hey, can I have a piece? And then somebody else will say, hey, can I have a piece? Hey, can I have a piece? Hey, can I have a piece? And pretty soon all your bubble gum is gone. So what do you do? You open it, open it up in secret and put it in their mouth where nobody can see you. Anybody do that? Just me? Pray for me, okay, if it's just me. All right, but there's other people. Again, we're, we're just selfish. We're naturally selfish. And so we get and we get and we get and we get and we think it's ours, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. But I'm telling you, God doesn't bless you to hoard everything that he has given you. He blesses us so that we can bless others. That's one of the things that we say here at church all the time. You are blessed to bless others. God gives us resources to redistribute to other people. He said, Abraham, I'm going to give you everything so that you can be a blessing. And God promises to make uh, Abraham, to, God promises Abraham so many other things. I want you to see this. He goes on to say in verse three, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Again, what was God saying right there? God was promising Abraham. He was going to protect him. He was going to protect him. And so Abraham hears these commandments of God. He believed the promises that God gave him. And you know what Abraham did? Abraham made a move. He made a move. I want you to see this in verse four. The Bible says this. So Abraham went. God said go, and Abraham went. Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he went out from Haran. So how old was Abraham here? 75 is not a trick. It was, just, it was just up there. So he's 75. 75, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal because, like, I don't know what your plans are when you get 75, uh, but I know what I want to do when I'm 75. I want to be sitting on a porch swing, drinking lemonade with my wife. That's what I want to be doing. I'm 75. You know what I'm saying? I want to retire. Uh, but right here, Abraham basically comes out of retirement. He wasn't thinking retire. He was thinking refire. You know what I'm saying? He gets right back out and does what God tells him to do. He joins the adventure that God has for him. And I'm telling you, if you really want to live, if you really want to live, you've got to join the adventure that God has you to, to, that has for you. You've got to follow God. You've got to listen to God. That's what God wants us to do. Join this adventure. So one thing that Abraham teaches us about his life, that God wants us to join his adventure. The second thing that I want you to see that Abraham teaches us about is marriage. He teaches us a lot about marriage and specifically in the context of marriage, he wants us to follow his way, follow God's way. If you keep reading, actually, uh, you're, you're going to see in Genesis chapter 12 that Abraham listens to God. He actually goes to the promised land and he builds an altar for God. He worships God. And you know what happens right after he takes this step of faith? You know what happens? You know what happens? Difficulty. Difficulty. I want you to see this. In Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 10, the Bible says, now there was a famine in the land. Famine. Do you see that? Do you see that? There was no food. They were hungry. 
probably to the point to where they were hangry. You know what I'm saying? Angry and hungry at the same time. Don't you know that Abraham was wondering, God, I stepped out in faith. God, I did what you've called me to do. I have gone where you, have le- where you told me to go. I've been led by you, and you have led me to a place of famine. You led me to difficulty. Why in the world would you do this? But doesn't that happen to us even today? When we say, you know what, I'm going to take a step of faith. Right after that, boom, difficulty. You say, man, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to start tithing. And as soon as you tithe, the air condition is going to go out. Boom, it happens. You say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to be a better witness for God. And boom, right after that, man, you're at work. And then one of your fellow employees, man, they do something that gets on your last nerve. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you just want to lash out. Difficulty happens. Hey, it even happened for Jesus. Jesus steps out and Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. And immediately after he takes that step of faith, what happens? He's led out into the wilderness. 40 days. And what happens? He's tested. He's tested. What I want you to understand is that there is always a test on the other side of obedience. There's always a test on the other side of obedience. So look at verse 10. He says, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt. Now let me stop again. If you got your Bible open and you want to underline stuff in your Bible, you ought to underline that went down, went down. Abraham went down to Egypt. Listen to me. Don't go down when God has called you up. Don't go down when God has called you up. God has called us to a different way of life. Don't go down when God has called you up. Where had God called Abraham to go? To the promised land. But things get bad. Things get difficult. Things aren't going very well. And Abraham starts to worry. Abraham starts to panic. Well, what I want you to notice does not happen in the Bible is God doesn't say, oh man, Abraham, I wasn't expecting any of this. I wasn't expecting this famine. This came out of nowhere. I'm really going to need your help. I'm going to need you to do something that does not happen. I want you to understand that God does not need you to help him out. If God has called you to a place, he will sustain you in that place. God does not need us to help him. Abraham thinks, man, things aren't good. God needs my help. So Abraham goes down to Egypt, and what you're about to see is that his life continues to go down. Not only does his life go down, but his marriage goes down. I want you to see this. So he says, we're going to go down there to live there for a while because the famine was severe, verse 11. It says, as he went out to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Now, uh, I believe right here, Abraham is setting his wife up. He's using, he's using flattery uh, to motivate her to do something. Sadie Kate, my six-year-old, she does that to me all the time. Sadie Kate likes, uh, I told you guys this before, she likes those littlest pet shops, you know, and so she likes to pull their heads off and uh, put, them on other, put them on other things. She likes to like, put the dog head on a cat head or the cat head on a dog body. She's not psycho and just decapitating her dolls, okay? But she likes to take these, the heads off. And so one day she came up to me and she had these littlest pet shops that she had gotten in her Happy Meal at McDonald's. And she comes up to me and says, hey, Daddy, will you pull their heads off? And so I looked at her and said, hey, baby, I don't think those heads are supposed to come off. I, th- I don't think they're made the same way. I don't think they're supposed to come off. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, they're supposed to come off. They're supposed to come off. So I try to pull on it, you know, and I'm like, baby, this ain't, this ain't coming off. And so she looks at me. She says, yes, I can, Daddy. You're my big, strong Daddy. You can do it. And so I thought, well, of course. I'm the big, strong Daddy. And so I pulled and snap. Man, that thing, it just snapped 
the, the animal's neck. You know what I'm saying? The littlest pet shop, if in case somebody's listening online. The littlest pet shop's neck. You know what I'm saying? And so I look at Sadie Kate, and I said, Sadie Kate, I told you this, this wasn't meant to come off. And so she just looks at me. This is a true story. She says, Daddy, I've made a terrible mistake. And she put her head down. Me and Amanda were laughing so hard. But I mean, you know what, again, again, sometimes we use flattery to motivate people to do something. That's what Abraham's doing. He's like, I know what a beautiful woman you are. At this point, Sarah's 65. Man, I don't know what kind of moisturizer she was using or what kind of gym she was a member at, but man, there was something about her. She was a looker. He says, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And watch this, verse 12. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me but will let you live. Say you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Married couples, listen to me. You know what's happening right here? Compromise. Compromise. And marriage is about compromise, like where to go eat, what movie to watch, what you might want to do this weekend, but it doesn't involve compromises like this. Watch what's about to happen. Abraham tells Sarah, just say you're my sister, which is creepy. Uh, But look at verse 14. It says, when Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that saw Sarah that was very beautiful. And when Pharaoh's official saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. You know what happened right there? Everybody in Egypt, when Sarah came through, they took out their cell phones and they started taking pictures and they started texting them to Pharaoh. Man, you got to see her. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. And so watch what the Bible says. They praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. You see that? Abraham's wife is taken to the house of another man. And it's not to play Uno. It's not to play checkers. It's not even to play Twister. Compromise is happening. Watch this. He treated Abraham well for her sake. And Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. You know what's happening right there? Man, business is booming. Abraham's getting paid. Man, he got the promotion. He's getting all this stuff. Business is booming, but the marriage is suffering. Listen to me. If you're married, God doesn't care if your business is booming but he does care if your marriage is suffering. He does. He does. And we cannot sacrifice our marriage for profits. We cannot do that. The marriage was suffering. And look at verse 17. The Bible says, but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham and said, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. You got to see this. The Egyptians, the pagans, people who didn't know God are looking at Abraham, the Christian, someone who knows God. And he's saying, you should know better. You should know better than to act like this. You should know better. You've brought all sorts of trouble on ourselves, on us. I wonder how often the world looks at us as Christians and says the same thing. You should know better. You should know better. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. What are you doing? Abraham begins to make compromises in his marriage for the sake of profit. He tells his wife, just say you're my sister. Just say you're my sister. Folks, I want you to understand. He, he, he was saying, basically he said, 
Just say you're my business partner. And marriage is so much more than just a business partnership. It is. Folks, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 through 32 says this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Watch this. This is a profound mystery. How many of y'all know that marriage is a mystery? Like sometimes you're like, man, I even wonder why I married this person. It's a mystery, right? That's not what it's talking about. So it's just a profound mystery. But I am talking about, watch this, I am talking about Christ and the church. This is very important. You got to understand this. God says, if you want to know what the relationship with your spouse needs to look like, you need to see what the relationship with Christ and his church looks like. Will Jesus ever leave the church? Help me out. No, that's the answer. No. Will Jesus ever leave the church? Will, will, will Jesus always be there for the church? Yes, right. Is the church perfect? No. Does Jesus love the church anyway? That's what marriage is supposed to be like. That's what marriage is. Don't ever compromise your marriage. Don't ever dilute what marriage is or intended to be by saying, well, we're just going to stay together for the kids. We're just business partners. Don't dilute God's marriage. Don't dilute what God has given us. That is making a mockery of something that God has given us and blessed us with. Your spouse, is, your spouse is not someone you have great memories with in the past. It's someone you have a great future with as well. You need to understand that. So Abraham teaches us a lot about life. He teaches us a lot about marriage. And the third thing that I want you to see that Abraham teaches us about is conflict. He teaches us a lot about conflict. Specifically, we are to take the high road. Take the high road. How many of you know that conflict is a part of life? It really is. It's part of life. Think about Abraham. He steps into this great adventure that God has for him. He steps into this great adventure. He is met with difficulty. And so he begins to go down. He begins, things begin to go downhill. They go downhill on his marriage. He leaves Egypt though. And he finally begins to journey back to Canaan, make the journey back to God. And don't you know that was a long camel ride, you know, with him and his wife. They probably weren't saying anything to anybody. You know what I mean? It's just super quiet. But, but Abraham here, he's trying to do the right thing. And he begins to seek God again. And guess what happens? Conflict. Conflict. See, I don't care how spiritual you are, you're going to experience conflict in this world. You are. Think about Jesus. Jesus was perfect. But if you study his life, you're going to see that it was full of what? Conflict. Conflict. There were always things happening. So watch what happens to Abraham in Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 5. Here's what the Bible says. Now Lot who was moving about with Abraham. Now, you might not know anything about Lot. Let me stop for just a second. But you might not know anything about Lot, but what you need to understand is that Lot was just someone who was mooching off of Abraham. He was. He was just getting blessed and just following Abraham for the stuff that he could get. That's what was happening there. He had not joined the adventure because he felt like God had called him to. He didn't have a sense of destiny. He was just freeloading off of Abraham. So it says, now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham and had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. Now, what 
caused family conflict between Abraham and Lot? What caused all this conflict? I want you to see it because it's the same thing that causes conflict today. It's possessions. Possessions. Doesn't that mess up families? You let somebody die in your family. And you'll see people come out, I mean, just crazy. Mine, mine, my precious. Right? That's what they do. That's what they do. It's possessions. They had too much stuff. And what tends to happen for us today is we get so focused on our stuff that we lose focus of the one who provides. We're so focused on our stuff that we forget about our source and what we thought would bless us the most actually begins to hurt us the most. They have so much stuff that they can't stay together. And look at verse 7. It says, and quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So a fellow by the name of George Bernard Shaw said, I learned a long time ago, never wrestle with a pig. You get dirty, and besides, the pig likes it, okay? So listen to me. How many of y'all have ever had some family conflict? Be honest, family conflict. It, may, it could be a holiday. It could be just whatever, but there was conflict going on, and so you rolled up your sleeves, you took off your earrings, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you just dove right into it. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? You, you've been there before. Some of y'all don't want to admit it, but yes, we get involved in conflict all the time. But with family, someone has to say, I'm going to take the high ground. Someone has to say, I'm going to take the high ground. Watch what Abraham does in verse 8. There's this conflict. And the Bible says, so Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. See, if this was us, we'd have probably looked at Lot and said, you know what, Lot, it's time for you to go. Get to stepping. Get out of here. It's time for you to go. You need to get away from me. Stop, you freeloader. That's what we'd have called him all sorts of names here. We would have said something like that. But what I love about the book of Genesis is that you see real families with real conflict still trying to work things out. And so it should teach us that when conflict arises in our families today, we don't need to fight. We need to try to work it out. Parents, your kids need to see you take the high ground and work things out. Kids, if your parents aren't doing it, you need to take the high ground and try to work things out. Someone has to say, let's not fight. We are close relatives. Abraham looks at Lot and says that. Let's not have all this fighting. We're close relatives. And look at verse 9. Abraham says, is not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Man, this is, this is the place that I think is the most important. I want you to understand that Abraham just wasn't going to fight. Abraham wasn't going to fight for something he couldn't lose. If you go back and you look at Genesis chapter 12, what did God say? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. You're blessed, Abraham. Abraham. Abraham knew not to fight. You know why? Because he had already learned that when I try to help God out, things go bad. Remember in Egypt? 
He tried to help God out. There was a famine. Things went bad. So he learns, you know what? I'm just going to focus on God. He's my source. He's going to provide. He's going to protect. Something else about Abraham is that he didn't allow fear to control him. He didn't. He looks at Lot, and he says, Lot, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you want to go right, I'll go left. Abraham didn't look out and say, man, that right side looks looks real blessed, but I'm going to try to say the right thing, you know, and hopefully he'll go left, you know. I'm going to go, go left, go left. Anybody ever, you know, you're, sometimes we try to manipulate people. We'll do the right thing. Why? Because we want them to give us what it is that we wanted. That's not happening with Abraham. You know what Abraham realized? Abraham said it doesn't, it's not the right or the left that's blessed. Abraham realized, I am blessed. It doesn't matter where I go, I bring the blessing, and the same thing is true of you and for me. We are blessed. Did you know that you are favored by God most high? You are a child of God. You are blessed. It doesn't matter what your situation is, what your circumstances are, you are blessed. Think about Joseph in the book of Genesis. Man, he's thrown into the pit. He's sold as a slave. He's in Potiphar's house, and guess what? He's blessed. He rises to the top. He's falsely accused. He goes to prison, and guess what? He's blessed. He rises to the top. He's in the palace, and guess what happens? He rises to second in command. It wasn't where he was. He was blessed, and I'm telling you, the same is true for us today. It is. We are blessed. We're blessed. Abraham knew that. But Abraham also knew that this entire situation that him and Lot are in is spiritual. It's not physical. It's not a physical problem. This is a spiritual problem. Have you ever had something wrong or going on in your life and you try so hard to fix it and fix it and fix it and fix it and it's still jacked up? That's because it's not physical. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. Abraham and Lot weren't really fighting about land, possessions, physical things. This was a spiritual issue. So when we have problems, you know what that should teach us? That we go to God first. God's not our last resort. He should be the first one that we turn to. Abraham knew this was a spiritual issue, so he took the high ground. He took the high ground, and watch what happens in verse 10. Bible says this, Lot looked around and he saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east and the two men parted company. Please don't miss what happens here. Abraham gives Lot a choice. And you would think that Lot would have practiced humility here and said, you know what, Abraham? I didn't have anything until I I started following you. I realized that I've been blessed because of you. So let's not fight. Let me serve you. Let's not have all this conflict Let me serve you. You would have thought that Lot would have practiced humility, but he doesn't. Lot doesn't show any humility. Lot 
doesn't even seek God. Lot doesn't ask God what he should do. Lot looks out. And he sees with his physical eyes. And he sees Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, this is like the garden of the Lord. Let me ask you. Was Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord? Oh, the grass looks so green. Well, folks, the grass is usually greener over the septic tank. Sodom and Gomorrah were evil. It was an evil city, a city of violence, a corrupt city. God eventually destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Lot. That's where Lot took his family. That's where Lot led his family. Because he wasn't seeking God. Because he wasn't serving God. He led his family to a place of destruction. He led his family to a place where there were going to be unbelievable consequences. He led his family to a very dark place. Where are we leading our family? Are we leading them to dark places? Are we leading them to a place of destruction? Or are we leading them to the will and way of God? See, Abraham really is a big deal. He has so much to teach us about life. The fact that God invites each and every one of us, no matter who we are, to join his adventure, to step into his will, to step into his way. That's what God has for us. He teaches us a lot about marriage, how we just need to follow God's way. But he teaches us a lot about conflict, taking the high road. And I don't know about you guys, but I know that I still have so much to learn. But I want to seek God because he promises to give us wisdom. He promises to help us. Are you seeking him? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But I wonder today if there's somebody here, perhaps several people here, and you've looked out at the physical. Right now, you know you're in an evil place, a dark place. You're in a place like Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know today that you need to step out of that place. Today, you know that you need to be saved. If that's you right where you are, I'm going to ask that you lift your hand. Say, hey, you know what? I need to be saved. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to be pulled out of this pit. If that's you, I'm going to ask right where you are that you pray this prayer, Father, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life and save me. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. Mold me into a new creation. Help me live for you each and every day of my life. As we continue to pray, I just want to also pray for the families in this room. Families who might be going through conflict right now.
marriages that might be suffering, maybe, again, just life, there's difficulty. I want you to understand, again, that there's always difficulty on the other side of obedience. Don't quit. Father, I want to lift up each and every person here today. Father, I pray that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them. Father, that you would help them to stay on the right path. Father, that they wouldn't live their life constantly fighting, that they wouldn't live their life constantly fearing. Father, that they would live the kind of life that you've called us to live. Thank you so much that you're a good father. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for caring about us. Thank you so much for loving us. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.